Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley. Alongside me each and every week is my co-host, professional rugby player, Charlie Beckett. This is a wrestling show by fans for fans. Coming up today, we're talking shark cages, SummerSlam, and the size of the Miz's testicles. Yes, really, all of that to come. Charlie, how are you? Good, thank you, mate. That is just wrestling summed up in a sentence, isn't it? From shark cages to testicles, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, the world of professional wrestling. No one's going to get any catches, catch can, technical style stuff on the show this week because it is not that sort of show. It is sweltering again here in the UK. Absolutely bacon. How have you found it? Tough, because you hear everyone go like, oh, it's no hotter than it is anywhere else. Well, first of all, it's been almost 40 degrees here this week, which is hotter than most places, but we're just not equipped for it. We don't have air conditioning. We don't have pools. We don't have any of this stuff because we don't get this here. So um, I've just been very, very warm and grumpy all week. Well, I mean, the grumpy's not unusual, is it? But the no, I'm normally grumpy. I'm normally just cold and grumpy. So this, <laughs> at least I'm warm now. And how's Otto getting on in the heat? He's doing all right, actually. He, um, he's got a fan, so he's happy with that. But also, you get his fan, you fill his water up, he's broke his paddling pool. Um, so, yeah, he ripped that up there. But you do everything you can for him. And then he sits by the back door. You think, oh, he wants to go out for a week. And he goes out and just lies on the hot patio. And you're like, no, get inside. Like, because it's a hear... cold weather dog, though. Yeah, isn't... and you yeah. hear from all the vets, like, be really careful on the patios and the pavements with them because it's really hot on their paws. And it is. And there's always great information out there. And my stupid dog just wants to go sunbathe. Well, you love him to bits anyway. That's the main point. Uh, look, so coming up on this show, we're talking about Titus O'Neil's bizarre speech to open Monday Night Raw. We'll talk about Riddle Rollins at SummerSlam. Yes, the Miz and Logan Paul feud is based around the size of the Miz's testicles. But we start with AEW Fighter Fest Night 3 on Dynamite on Wednesday, main evented by Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston in a barbed wire everywhere match with the Jericho Appreciation Society suspended in a show cage above the ring just your normal average main event to dynamite charlie yeah just it isn't surprised though is it with dynamite it's like oh yeah okay another new match my uh, favorite bit of it was that uh all the microphones had barbed wire around them it really was uh bob Rever, justin roberts was there with his barbed wire covered mic um it was a little much for me i'm not gonna lie there was just so much going on there the shark cage felt very, very forced because it was shark week. I don't love when it's like when those zombies came in at um, WrestleMania Backlash last year. I don't love the forced promos. Like, I know they have to advertise. I know they have to make their money, but it just seems a bit rammed down our throats. Um, so that I didn't love. Everyone knows I'm not as big a fan as the death matches as maybe some people out there. And yeah, I just think also this Jericho and Kingston feud seems to be going on forever as well. I feel like every time they have a blow-off, then there's another match. And I'm just, I'm probably not as interested in it as I was three months ago. Chris Jericho goes over thanks to Sammy Guevara. And yet the moment didn't breathe at the end of the match because the last image we saw as Dynamite went off the air was Chris Jericho being put into one of those big flatbed tables with barbed wire on via Eddie Kingston. And you're right. Every time you think we're getting to the end of a match or an end of a programme, it seems like AEW just don't know when to call time on things. Yeah, they're always like, just more and more. And more isn't always more. That's very wise. That's mm. a very wise... I'm, thought- in quite a, I'm quite in, in quite a philosophical mood this morning, it seems. <laughs> 
can tell. I can tell. I tell you, look, you can't fault the hard work. You can't fault Chris Jericho's willingness at this stage in his career to throw himself about in hardcore matches like this. I do think that the ending with Anna Jay, Ty Conti, the cage coming down, and then Ty not being able to open the cage and the Jericho Appreciation Society having to squeeze out between the bars that was a moment where the whole thing could have gone very, very, very badly wrong on live TV. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't the. It wasn't the best moment for planning for your all eventualities, was it? It very easily could have gone very, very wrong. But thankfully, thankfully, it didn't. But yeah, just I don't like how convoluted it was. It just wasn't. It wasn't my way. Now, some people out there will have absolutely loved it, and I completely get that. And I was, and the main thing I have to say is huge respect to everyone involved for putting themselves through that four, four hour entertainment because my God, that must hurt. I don't care what you say, going to that barbed wire must really, really hurt, but it's just, it just isn't my bag really. Can we go back to the keys? Cause didn't we see it at the Royal Rumble last man standing match where we had Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns a little while back, not the last Rumble, the Rumble before, where it was the handcuffs almost didn't come off and we almost saw a match go completely wrong. Couldn't Heyman not do the handcuffs and Roman Reigns almost lost? Handcuffs, locks, keys in wrestling, they're always a bad idea. Yeah, you're just asking for them to go wrong because that definitely was it. It was um, it was the last man standing, wasn't it, I think? Because Roman couldn't mm. really get to his feet before 10, if we're being honest, because he was handcuffed. And then he kind of like... Did a little vault to his feet and then sat back down and the ref was like, oh, yeah, that's a standing base. It absolutely wasn't. But yeah, oh. you're asking for trouble with them. Yeah, I thought I thought it was entertaining for what it was. But yet again, we got to the end and I thought, oh, I just wish they just left it as was. Have the final image be Chris Jericho with Sammy Guevara standing victorious. I have to say, I didn't mind the integration of Shark Week into AW Dynamite this week as much as you. I quite enjoyed the shark mascot turning up. I like the branding around the edge. I Maybe it's because I'm a big fan of sharks. I don't know, but I, it kind of worked for me. I do like sharks. It just seemed all a bit a bit much of theme your whole week round sharks. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, maybe it's the heat getting to me still. Maybe I'm still just being grumpy. My favorite moment of the night, and I thought it was a good episode of Dynamite, came right at the start. I thought Brody King and Darby Allen smashed it out of the park. If you want an opener that <clears throat> elevates a guy like Brody King, that's the way you do it. So that Gonzo Bomb finisher is one of the most brutal looking moves in wrestling right now. And Darby sells it like a dream. I thought he killed him. I thought he killed him. It was unreal because Darby is... I don't know how tall he is, and I certainly know he's more of an athlete than me, but he's probably not much more than my size, and and Brody King is probably more around your size, and you just, the way he slams him down, almost like a sort of Rikishi driver is the way it ends up finishing, but I thought that was a fantastic match, and I also thought they did a lot of things really well there. They elevated Brody, Darby lost nothing, we got that tease between Sting and your boy Malachi Black, and Miro coming out at the end, looking like a million bucks. I've got a lot of time for uh, Malachi and Sting being a, uh, being a face-off. I think there's a lot of fun interaction to have there. Um, and then if Miro is going to come and wrestle in Sting, on Sting's behalf, maybe, because let's be honest, Sting probably can't do a one-on-one with Malachi, Malachi for 20 minutes. So he's in the multi-man match to protect him more. Don't but yeah, Miro is an interesting one to throw in there, but yeah, it looks unbelievable. Are we looking at a three-on-three with... Derby, Sting, and Miro against the House of Black. I, I'd happily take that. I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of pay, a lot of a lot of fun to be had with that feud. 
I think we're almost certainly going there. And one thing I cannot fathom, the more we watch Sting in AEW, is how WWE got his run so badly wrong because he was a good six, seven years younger when he came to WWE. And he looks now just, I mean, like he was never away. And this is how you use a guy like Sting. Yeah, it, it shows how much WWE dropped the ball, doesn't it, with Sting. And now you don't know how much that was because he did get injured or how much was their mismanagement of him. But seven years ago, he could have been doing even better work than this because, as you say, he's seven years younger. And this is the best thing we've seen in over 20 years. It's just, I think I'm really happy for wrestling fans and more so for him that the last time we saw him wasn't that match, the Rollins where he got injured, that we have got something else to remember Sting by. He just looks fresh. He just looks so, so current. It was a fantastic segment. Go out of your way to watch that whole match from the opening uh, right through to when Miro appeared at the end. Miro looked, I felt, a bit like The Rock. He sort of carried himself like that. Yeah, with his glasses and muscles. And yeah, he looked very, very cool. And I'd be interested, interested to see what they do with Miro now he's back because he was on their first big get, wasn't he, Rusev over to AEW. So... And they've never really pushed him the way maybe a lot of us expect him to. And now he's back in a much more crowded roster. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with him and how big a star they portray him as. Charlie underscore Beckett is him on social media. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening today. WWE Raw chat to come here on the podcast. Let's talk about the interim AEW World Champion. This is John Moxley teamed with Wheeler Utah against best friends. Regal on commentary along with Orange Cassidy. Good match. Cannot get enough of William Regal on commentary. One of my favorite things is the segments he comes out, sits down at the booth. Maybe it's because I'm a broadcaster. I just think he's fantastic in that role. He just fits perfectly, doesn't he? And he gives such a different perspective. And some of the things he says, if anyone else said them, you'd be like, what a ridiculous thing to say. But Regal says them, they're almost quite menacing. Uh, but no, I, I'm very much enjoying him on commentary. I thought Wheeler Youth looked really good. I think yeah. Wheeler Youth looks really good. And I think... I love Blackpool Combat Club, but what it's doing for him and the way it's elevating him is just sensational, I think. What do you think about the way that John Moxley's being used? Because we've had three dynamites since Forbidden Door when he won the uh, interim AEW World Championship. We saw him have a good match last week, a good match against Brody King the week before, a good match again on Dynamite this week. And yet he doesn't feel like the guy. Yeah, I want him to be at the top of the card having a world title feud. Now, you need to find the right person to go against him, but I just feel like we're not waiting around for Punk to come back. We've got an interim champion, so we've got a champion. Let's treat him like that, and then they can have the unification match when they come back. So maybe after this week, it it makes sense having the shark cage, barbed wire, bring your mum to work match for um, (laughs) as the main event. If you brought your mum to work, she would be amazing. She would be a heller. Yeah, in my, in my own case, she'd just be stitching everyone up because she's an A&E nurse. So she'd, just be, she'd actually be quite useful uh, <laughs> at wrestling. Um, but no, it made sense to have that as the main event. But next week, I want to see I want to see my champ back in the main event where he belongs. I'm not quite sure why we're not getting that already, to be honest. I don't quite understand why, yes, he's the interim champ, but he is the guy in your organisation. I don't quite understand why you've not got someone lined up for him. It, it's true, but it could be worse. You could have just won... AW's newest championship at Forbidden Door and then never be seen again. The mystery All-Atlantic title, which... I, did, they push, did they push Pack through the Forbidden Door? Is he gone? <laughs> He's locked so, out. What? I think I saw that his first offence, was that I sent this to you, was it a Rev Pro show? Yeah, it was now, a Rev I'm, Pro show. 
I'm all for them using this title and taking it around and spreading the word and bringing bringing eyes to other um, independent shows. I'm all for that. But your first defense of your brand new title isn't on your own show, on your own brand, own company time. Like, I was so excited. It's great. Get it debuted at a pay-per-view. Brilliant Fatal 4-Way match. And then just, ugh. It defines it down, doesn't it? Now, if that's what you want that title to be, okay, no worries with that. That's where you see it on your roster. But you can't, you can't do this thing where you tell everyone it's an incredible title and everyone's fighting for it and they go through hell in that four-way and then you just say, but you're not going to see it defended on your main shows. I mean, it just it's, it's reason to, to be uninvested in it. It is, and also I think they're giving us reasons to be uninvested in the women's world title because of how highly Jay Cargill is presenting the TBS championship. She is the star in the women's division right now, and she treats that TBS championship like she should, but because it's the secondary quote-unquote championship in that women's division, it's doing a massive disfavour, if that's a word, don't know if it is, to the women's world championship. It feels so less important than that TBS championship right now. Was it a mistake to put the title on Thunder Rosa then, given that we loved Britt Baker since Thunder Rosa won the title in that amazing cage match that she had in her home state of Texas. The fans loved it. It was a hell of a match. Go back and watch it. It's bubbled down. Now, is that the champion not making the title or the company not giving the, the, the champion the chance to perform? And I appreciate there were some, I think, injury issues there, maybe some sickness issues, which maybe played a role, but we are where we are. I don't know, really. It's tough to really put your finger on it, but it doesn't feel right, does it? I know it's like you bring your new um, your new get in, in Athena, um, formerly Ember Moon, and you plug her straight after the TBS Championship. Why, why does she not want the World Championship? That's what confuses me. And yes, it's because the Jay Cargill-Athena match is going to be sensational. We get it. I completely get that. But why would, why would the new acquisition, why would she not want the World Championship? Why is your undefeated monster... Jay Cargo, why is she not going after the World Championship? No one seems too bothered about the World Championship. Everyone seems bothered about the TBS Championship. So why as fans should we be bothered about the Women's World Championship? Why should we not be putting all our time into the Women's TBS Championship? It's a bit of an issue that AEW does seem to have with the women's division, which is that big stars come across and they find themselves defined down. No one has risen to the level of Britt Baker. I mean, maybe Thunder Rosa when she came in, but she was already the NWA Women's World Champion. It does seem like that they, they, they're they not making the most of these acquisitions. No, it, and it's tough because it's a crowded roster, but that, that women's division isn't. These big names should come in and really make a splash. And as you say, they're just not quite landing at the moment. Let's talk tag teams. Uh, we all love tag team wrestling on this podcast. Oh, we were wrong. We were wrong. Last week, we recorded before AEW Dynamite, where there was a triple threat, the Young Bucks against Team Taz versus Swerve in our glory. Swerve in our glory. And we didn't predict that Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland would come out the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. Yeah, I thought for sure the Bucks were retaining. Um, I like being surprised. It's good to be surprised. Like, we probably get a bit smart, don't we, on podcasts like this and this one. Like, oh, we know what's going to happen. Well, no, you don't, lads. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind. I think it's strange. I still can't believe we're not go- building towards Bucks FTR. But put that aside, I'm all for swerving our glory as tag champions. I, I said before I wouldn't have had um, Keith Lee in a tag team per se. But if you're going to, it's a very good one. I'm, them as champions 
it does make the titles feel important. It make it it both it raises up both Keith Lee and the titles in a way. I don't really know how it's done it, but it makes both feel more important. And I think Swerve Strickland is an absolute star. They're good fun. They have great charisma. Their matches speak for themselves. I think it's. I've got no complaints apart from I didn't see it coming. I've read some places that what they're trying to do is get the titles off the Bucks because Kenny Omega may come back at all out for the trios championship or for a trios run. And they couldn't have the belts on, on the Bucks. And you do wonder if maybe this was the way they were looking to go with maybe the Hardys until the situation with Jeff played out and they've had to plug Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland into it. What I love about Keith Lee is just his manner in this slightly weird celebration segment. Firstly, if you just won the RFU championship or something like that, and so we're going to do a big celebration for you, Charlie, and you got yourself all excited and you came out and there was a single solitary cake, some balloons. And I mean, it wasn't much of a celebration, was it? If I just won the championship. You wouldn't see me for a week. <laughs> Honestly, you just wouldn't see me. Um, it was it was the piddliest little celebration. Yeah. AEW usually pushes the boat out. They must front. have known it looked ridiculous. But. What I loved is when uh, I didn't love, you know, the bit with Smart Mark Sterling and Tony Nese coming out. Didn't love that. But I absolutely love the moment where where um, Sterling starts his promo and you just hear Keith Lee say something like, well, you'd better watch the tone of your voice. Very flat, very measured, very calm, because a guy his size, he doesn't need to be anything else. He almost strikes you as like the... Um the quiet professor at university who will just absolutely batter you if you step out of line then. Hold on, what university does that happen at? The University of Life, Jack. <laughs> I've got a first-class honours degree from there. Oh, okay, have you? Right, okay. Yes. I'm thinking... I'm in a yes. very odd mood this morning. I'm sorry, everyone. I, honestly, I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth before it does this morning. So, let, hey, strap in and let's go for the ride. This is good. I like this. I like this very much. Hey, but even though the tag team champions for AEW are swerving our glory, I have to say they're not the tag team I want to talk about. I want to talk about FTR. And I used to give MJF the accolade of being the best thing in wrestling today. I've now switched allegiances to FTR. I, I just, they're everything. They're so good. Who knew that babyface FTR would cut promos that almost make you want to cry? They're just, they are just sensational, aren't they? Like, we all knew they could wrestle. We all knew they could do proper old school tag team wrestling and wrestle heel. But they're just so great as babyfaces. And that promo about, um, I always get a mix up. I think it was Dax. Yeah, Dax's daughter. Oh, it just... They just get it so, so right. And they use the right blend of real life into their storyline. They don't, you don't feel like it's too much, but enough for you to really get behind the people, not just the wrestlers. And I, I want to absolutely batter the Briscoes this weekend. I am so, so, so team FTR. I just think that sometimes you get lightning in a bottle and I'm not saying it's the same. But you know when Daniel Bryan, just for reasons no one could quite fathom, all the fans went, here we go. He's our guy. We want him to, to just ascend to the top. That's where I am with FTR. I would make them your main event attraction. I would I would heat up whoever you want, make it the Young Bucks, bring in the Briscoes, make them the Uber heels, and just have FTR and them feud because they are in that position. They're so good. Yeah, they are brilliant. I love that their match this weekend is two out of three falls because I love two out of three falls just because that was always when you knew it was hotting up in NXT back in the day. 
when Actually. William Regal said it was two out of three falls, I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. I mean, and it, we- makes me, it makes me think back to um, FTR. Obviously, they were under their old name, The Revival, but them against DIY, Authors of Pain, those sorts of matches. And that's just some of the best tag team wrestling I've ever seen. So I think it'll be an exciting one this weekend. We'll talk more about Death Before Dishonor uh, a little moment later. In fact, we'll do that towards the end of the pod. A quick word for Ricky Starks and Dan Housen, because we're going to allegedly see Dan Housen wrestle for the FTW title against Ricky Starks next week on Dynamite. I don't think we are. Do you not? I think Dan Housen answered the open challenge, but I don't think he answered it for him. Oh my God, you're right. I think he's bringing his mate out, isn't he? Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. You're that's, right. That's you're the right. tease. Dan Housen's bringing Hook out. You're right, because we saw on Rampage, didn't we, Lexi say to Hook, uh, do you want to challenge for a title? It's Taz's title. Um, you've nailed it. How yes. did I not see that coming? Dan Housen, yeah, he's not answering it for him. He's answering it, but he, and, and Ricky starts going, and he's going to get in the ring, and then Hook's music's going to hit, and there's the swerve. Charlie, you've Pat Pattersoned me. You've just... And if they don't, now we'll all be gutted. I, I now don't see any other way they cannot do that because they've aligned the pieces perfectly. I hadn't quite, twig- I, I hadn't realised it was Taz's title as well. I'd forgotten that. It, it just makes sense. It's his dad's title. Well, I'm excited for that. And if that doesn't happen next week on Dynamite, I'm going to be so, we'll, we'll, so we'll, If that doesn't happen, we'll start our pod and go, hi, I'm Jack Murley and wrestling's rubbish. It, honestly, because that is, okay, we talked about all the pieces fitting earlier on the pod, all the pieces fit for that. In a way, it's a shame that we're not going to see Dan Housen wrestle if what you say plays out, because how many matches have we seen him at? There was that one oh, match. Two got... maybe, I think. And he, does, he hasn't had much time. I'm, um, I'm told constantly by our listeners that Dan Housen can really, really, really go in the ring. And we've not had the chance to see it yet. Well, he'll need to when Hook eventually turns on him. That sweet little boy wouldn't turn on him. Ricky Stark, Danhausen impression. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Let's talk WWE because it's been an unusual week uh, for the McMahon family empire. We're building towards SummerSlam. Talk of changes to TV ratings coming up. Riddle versus Rollins booked for the biggest party of the summer. Testicle talk. Yes, really coming up, but let's start with something that I'd be really interested to get your take on here, Charlie. We began Monday Night Raw, not with a match or a hot promo segment, but with WWE Goodwill Ambassador Titus O'Neil giving a three-minute promo unrelated to any programs happening on the show, as far as I could tell, culminating with talk about WWE being a safe haven. Discuss. I wasn't, I was not comfortable with this. This seemed very, very very much in ill taste. So you bring out your pretty much certified best man in your business. Everyone, everyone, anyone will tell you what a great human being Titus O'Neill is. He just seems to be one of the loveliest, most generous, kindest men about with just a properly pure heart. That's what everyone seems to say about Titus O'Neill. So that's brilliant. You bring him out. We haven't seen Titus O'Neill in God knows how long. I don't know when. There is no point for him to be on the show. And he comes out and talks about what a safe haven WWE is as a place when the things that the Wall Street Journal are discovering, the NDAs, so then to send Titus O'Neill out to just talk about what a safe place it is seems beyond an ill taste. It seems cruel and just 
not not okay at all. And in this what wild, wacky world, it's just very seriously not what should be happening, really. Let's flip it round. Does that promo happen if you don't get what we've read about in the Wall Street Journal and other outlets, and which WWE itself has acknowledged is being investigated because that's the reason Vince McMahon has stepped back as CEO? Not a chance. Not a chance. This, is, this has happened for one reason, one reason only. And it's because Vince or someone at Titan Towers has thought this is a way for us to save face. If Titus goes out and says it's safer, yeah, everyone will believe him. And I don't know how they convinced Titus Neil to do it, why Titus Neil felt he could do it. I can't imagine he felt particularly comfortable doing it. It just all did not sit well with me. And it was, yeah, I, I, I didn't like it. felt it was completely wrong. And yeah, it wasn't for me at all. Yeah, and, and look, here's the flip side of this. Maybe Titus O'Neil felt absolutely grand about doing it. Maybe WWE felt it was just a good opportunity in Titus's hometown to promote him. Maybe all those things are true. We don't know. We haven't heard from them. But given the promos that Vince McMahon has suddenly been cutting on SmackDowns uh, in weeks gone past, given everything going out there, the obvious assumption or at least that fans could be entitled to believe is that there is something a bit hinky going on here, that there is something not right. And that is not the way to start a wrestling show, in my opinion, or in the opinion of a number of other fans. Yeah, it just didn't seem right or in, in good taste in the slightest. Well, if you want good taste, let's move on to Miz against Logan Paul. Logan Paul, one of the biggest stars on the planet, newly minted as a WWE superstar, trying to goad the Miz into a match at SummerSlam. It seems that the kicker was implying that Miz's testicular fortitude may be lesser than your average fella. A lot of ball talk on Monday Night Raw. (laughs) You know when you say to people, nah, 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 wrestling's changed, wrestling's good now, come and watch the wrestling and they give it a chance, it's always something like this that comes on. Mm. People just look at you and go, why do you watch this nonsense? And you're like, oh, I can't really defend this. (laughs) It is what it is, isn't it? It's entertaining. I'm sure some people out there are enjoying it, and some people are finding it funny. They're saying the Miz has got tiny balls. But you and I had a payoff. We had a conversation about the payoff to this. We're not going to see his ballons, are we? Unless that's why they're going to TV 14. There's no payoff to this. We're not going to get to see a picture or Miz just drop his pants and get him out. So what's the point? We, we, we'll never know. It, it, well, we, and thank, thank the Lord, frankly. There are some things that should be between a man and his wife and then broadcast on USA directly after Monday Night Raw on um, Miz and Mrs. Here's my point. I'm, I was chatting earlier in the week to, to, to Ryan, who listens to this podcast, and he said, Jack, this is what I want from Monday Night Raw. Now, not specifically testicle talk, to be absolutely clear, but he made the point, what are the things we enjoyed most from WrestleMania? Johnny Knoxville pinning Sami Zayn in a mousetrap. Theory getting stunned by Austin. The celebrity matches, all the sort of pomp and circumstance that comes with WWE. If AEW is giving us the grit and the bell-to-bell action, does it matter if WWE is sort of focusing on this frippery? No, it, it doesn't matter. It's not like the whole show was like this. This just this segment was not for me. But the beautiful thing about not watching it live because it's on at three in the morning is you don't have to watch it all. I see what I need to for this podcast. And I go, no, no, I don't need to see any more about the Mrs. Balls. But that, that's the thing, isn't it? WWE has always tried to cater for everyone. And I, I fully am, I, I fully sorry predict that Miz and Logan Paul have a great match at WrestleMania because I think Logan Paul's actually very good. And SummerSlam. 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 Um, and 
you said to me on Taxi Week, there's no one else who can pull this off the way The Miz is. The Miz is the perfect man for this. And The Miz is exceptional in this role, in any role. And he is he's such a professional now, which it's amazing to say when you think about where he's come from in his wrestling career. But this is either WWE to, to, to stretch a whole feud out over the size of a man's testicles. That is quite something. I think that The Miz is the type of guy who he gets backstage at Monday Night Raw and they present him with this script and some other people would shy away from it. Some other people might go, ah, really? I think The Miz relishes this. I think this is a type of situation where he goes, this is my bread and butter, give it to me. And I will say that T-shirt playing off his old, hi, I'm The Miz and I'm awesome T-shirt. I thought, fair play, that is brilliant. And it's going to make him a bucket load of money. It is. And also, what are we talking about? What are we sat here talking about today? And at the end of the day, is that all that really matters? If yeah. we're talking about it and it's in our consciousness, is it, do they care why? Do you know what? That's a really good point because also announced on Monday Night Raw for SummerSlam, we're getting Riddle against Seth Freakin' Rawlins, which is going to bang as a match, but it's not the one we've even spent a little bit of time talking about so far. So let's go on to that. That's going to deliver. It can't not with that talent. Yeah, and I kind of like when they just go, not really a reason for this, but here's a great match. I kind of like that. We'll, we'll find a reason. Just throw them in together. Yeah, that should be a brilliant match. And also, I love that it keeps Riddle as a single star up there towards the top of the cars. We're not dropping it down. He's against Rollins, who's one of Raw's biggest, biggest stars. So I, I, I'm all for it. I think this oh, match of the night. I think Becky Bianca will be the match mm. of the night. I really do because I'm so high on that on that feud. I think that's going to be brilliant. But this is this is what I would open with. You open with yeah. against Rollins, or you open with the Street Profits against the Usos. I forgot we were getting that again with J E double F J A double R E double T as a special referee for which I didn't see coming. I didn't see that one coming. He's had a busy week, hasn't he, Jeff? Because he's also tagging with Andrade El Idolo. Uh, in Ric Flair's last match, isn't he? No, yeah. he's not with Andrade. He's with Jay Lethal. Yeah. So let's... I Busy mean, week for Jeff. Shall we come back to Raw in a tick? Because we do need to talk about the TV 14 rating news. But let's just talk a little bit about Ric Flair's final match, because that is also coming up uh, this month. I don't know if you've seen any of the very, very well-produced segments there are. Mm. How do you feel about 73-year-old Ric Flair lacing up the boots for what he says is one last time? I, it worries me because I just think that's he he hasn't been healthy. I don't think he's that well. And he's not going to just go in there and do one or two things. He's Ric Flair. He's going to want to steal the show. There are ways to protect him in this match with Jay Lethal and Andrade in there. Let's be honest. Will Rick take those ways to be protected? I don't know. All I want is him to come through it healthy and be at peace that being his last match. Then he can properly never wrestle against. All I want from this. Yeah, I mean, for me, a bit like Shawn Michaels' last match will always, for me, be WrestleMania 26 and not the Saudi show. Ric Flair's last match, for most of us, will always be WrestleMania 24. I think they've done a tremendous job building it. I think the mm -hmm. videos have been great. The production's been great. Conrad Thompson, first-time promoter, has smashed it out the park. I still don't want to see a 73-year-old Ric Flair blading in a car park and bleeding all over his shirt to promote it. I just don't need to see it. It's too close to home. Mm, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, because he's been so unwell in the past, I just don't want him risking it. 
No, absolutely. That's coming up this month as well. We'll talk ROH uh, Death Before Dishonor shortly. TV 14 ratings could be back for WWE. This was big news this week. The PG era has been here a long, 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 long time. Probably most of your viewing life, to be honest, Charlie. But we're hearing rumors and speculations that Monday Night Raw could be returning to a more edgy format. What did you make of that when you saw that news? Very interesting, isn't it? Mm. Um, I wonder who's made that decision. I wonder why they've made that decision. I think maybe are they maybe WWE are not concerned, but they are aware that AEW gives an edgier uh, product. There are swear words, there's more blood, there is more gore and that sort of stuff. And maybe WWE feel they're losing that demographic of fan and they can get them back with this. Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, and also the big thing is how many people aren't going to watch because it's changed from PG to TV 14? I, I don't think many. I think a lot of kids who are already watching wrestling, they're going to carry on or their parents are going to let them carry on. But it's not like it's going to be R-rated. How many people do you get back who don't watch it because they say the PG era gets a bit of a bashing anyway, doesn't it, for being too soft and too flimsy and too nice and cuddly? How are people are going to come back because of it? And how are people are going to stay? So from a business point of view, I do think more people will watch and, as we said earlier, that that's all WWE really care about. I also think it's a real opportunity to freshen things up a little bit. I heard Eric Bischoff talking this week on one of his shows. It was really interesting saying, actually, don't really tinker with the in-ring product. Look at the promos. Look at those storyline aspects of things. Because fair enough, WWE, for all the, the frimmery and stuff you get with it, you do get good bell-to-bell action when they want to. We see good matches. But if they could tighten up those promos, maybe do something different backstage, well, I think that's going to be the benefit of this. Yeah, I think definitely. And give the talent a bit more freedom on the mic. Yes. These, these people, they are witty, they are funny, they are clever people, they are charismatic. Let, let them show us. Absolutely, because they absolutely can. Uh, we talked about it briefly. Death Before Dishonor, ROH this weekend. Jonathan Gresham versus Claudia Castagnoli for the ROH World Championship. FTR versus the Briscoes, two out of three falls for the ROH tag team titles. A pure championship on the line as well. Wheeler Utah uh, against Daniel Garcia and Samoa Joe against Jay Lethal for the TV championship. I mean, those top two matches alone are worth, if you can, and we know times are tight, finding some money in your pocket for some quality wrestling yeah great card uh it'll be very very good wrestling brilliant pay-per-view name by the way my favorite for a while i think death for dishonor uh but yeah i think it's gonna be a really really good uh show i think especially those top two also that three i think jay lethal samoa joe i think will be an absolute banger as well so then claudio's match and then the tag match is just going to be sensational isn't it how do you feel sort of the AEW acquisition of, of Ring of Honor is going because it was sort of announced at that Daily's Place show. It was a big deal and they've drip fed it in. I sort of feel like this is the launch proper. Yeah, this is their first big show with AW. Like there's AW names all over this, isn't there? Samoa Joe, Willie Utah, Claudio Castagnoli, the um, FTR. There are AW fingerprints all over this. And it'll be interesting to see if that then gets more eyes on this show because it's been promoted so hard on uh, AW television. AW stars are there. This will be very interesting when in the dirt sheets next week it comes out the viewing figures for this, whether it had the effect they would have wanted. So do you think if Ring of Honor, for example, they took over AW Dark or AW Dark Elevation and they said, we're giving you that hour on YouTube, we can't get you a TV deal, an hour on YouTube for Ring of Honor, given they've had some promotional AW, would you make time in your schedule to start watching Ring of Honor? Because you and I never really watched it properly before. 
if I had time, I would. I I just don't have the time. I don't have an hour. That's um, it. That, that's yeah, the truth. That's what I, I don't. I generally don't watch as much as I should now. Like I, there is just so much, and that is the problem. Of you have to watch WWE. You have to see AW. See the bits of Ring of Honor you want. See the bits of New Japan. NXT. I had a sad moment this week. I went home for the weekend, and my dad brought me a cup of tea and my black and gold NXT mug. I just looked at it and I was like, I miss you. I miss you so much. Um, bloody rainbow NXT. And, um, and, and look, it's gone. It's just how often did we talk about NXT? NXT was must watch and now yeah. it's just not on our schedule. So to answer your question, probably not, but that's not because of Ring of Honor being a bad product. I think Ring of Honor is probably an excellent product. It just, it would take a lot for it to leapfrog either... WWE or AEW, and at the moment, they're all I have time for is to watch those. So I probably have that enough time to watch two products at the moment, and it would take a lot for anything to jump either of those two. Yeah, that, that's where the, the joy of a big angle or something must watch can can grab you by by you know the by the misses, as it were. Yes. I sort of wish we were seeing some MJF. I know I hark on about this every week, but where is my boy? What's going on? <sighs> I'm so confused. Is it real? Because we've not seen him for so long now. Anywhere. No Twitter, no nothing. I don't know what's going on because this isn't... If this is a business decision, then they've got it wrong because he's not just... He's out of the consciousness. He's out of the news cycle. No one's talking about MGF anymore. So you've left it too long, lads. It's gone cold. And if it's real, why is he not out giving shoot interviews? I just don't know what's going on. It must be killing MJF to be sitting. Now, look, maybe it's not. Maybe him and Tony have this grand plan and they know that the payoff will be worth it. And in a year's time, we'll be going, oh, I can't believe they pulled the wool over our eyes. But for a guy who is so visible and so vocal and so invested to go completely silent must be really tricky. You can't imagine it sitting well with him. No. Not at all. Uh, look, let's do everyone's favourite part of the show. Earning the push back to developmental. First or second to you, Charlie? Ah. I will go second. Okay, so for me, earning the push, anyone who had to wear any sort of PPE equipment kit in this heat, I'm talking about our fire service members, our ambulance members, people driving trains, uh, people out on oil rigs, anyone who had to work in this heat in anything other than a linen shirt and shorts, I feel for you, because and, and I'm guessing... Okay, you're in shorts and t-shirt, but for you training in this heat, you might you might well come into this segment. It's tough, but it's not like wearing PP. I'm not I'm not putting us in that bracket at all. No, but you are doing hard pre-season training. Yeah, you, yeah, you? but but we're not saving lives and becoming no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm I'll quite often take your praise, Jack Murley, <laughs> but not on this one. Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the push to that. And then back to developmental for me, barbecue smoke. And I'm a little bit guilty of this. Okay. If you are having a barbecue, there's nothing nicer than the smell of barbecue smoke. It's a smell of summer. You feel like you're here. You got some meat on the barbie. You got kebabs. You got your burgers. You got sausages. All is good. If it's in your garden, if it's in the neighbor's garden and they're having a barbecue and it's coming your way and there's very little you can do about it, nothing worse than that. Mainly because of jealousy. Because you're always thinking, oh, wish I was having a barbecue. I, I won't lie. I, in the sun, will barbecue anything. I do not get away. I just cook on the barbecue. That's all I do. I'll be on the barbecue two or three times a day. Really? I'll be doing, yeah, yeah, I'll do my breakfast on the barbecue. Yeah, I love it. I love the barbecue. Which begs the question, what do you have for breakfast? 
Well, if you have, if I just have sausages and scrambled egg, I'll do the sausages on the barbecue. Is what I mean. I'm not doing the scrambled egg on the barbecue. Okay. I'm not. Do, I'm, not um, I'm not barbecuing my omelets. You're not bare grills. No. Okay. Um, but I'll tell you what, because you're you're a vegetarian. What oh. do you have on your barbecue? Because I because it's interesting because I have had to barbecue the last few weeks for we've had some friends over of um, my other halves and they were they were vegetarian and it's the first time I had to do a veggie barbecue and there's so many nice veggie options for the barbecue is what I learned. There are, but there are also some that just don't barbecue well. Like no, yeah, I tried some. What did I try? I tried some not meat burgers and they just didn't work on the barbecue. Great in the grill, great in the oven. You whack some of them on the barbecue. They turn out like hockey pucks. They literally yes. don't know what to do. You, they yes. just sort of like burn into digested biscuits. But I, I do love a barbecue. But I feel, And I think because we had a barbecue for my boyfriend's birthday this week, I mean, the family round, I felt really self-conscious that the smoke was sort of blowing around a little bit. And I think, you got to just accept it because it'll come back at some point. Their, their, their smoke will come back. I tell you what we did. We do um, big veggie skewers. So love big oh, bits of vegetables and halloumi on a skewer oh, with oil we, and have, paprika on them. Have either of us sent halloumi, given halloumi the push? Oh, how point? good's halloumi, though? There was a point in my life where I didn't know what halloumi was, and it's like finding God for a vegetarian. It's like, ah, where have you been? Yes, so an honorary push for halloumi. What are your, yeah, what, what are yours? So my back developmental is a really strange one this week. It's very, very niche. Okay. And I, it was almost a burn of the push for me because I almost love it, but now I'm confused by it. I go to a, uh, I go to a, uh, just a big commercial gym. It's Everlast, massive uh, company. They're all over the country. Yeah. I don't think another one in the country has what one of mine has in it. In it's it's in the upstairs of it's like um, it's a complex of a cinema. There's loads of restaurants, bars, and one of the upstairs is the gym. Okay, yeah. you go up the stairs and as you walk towards the changing room on your left. There is a hairdresser's at, at the gym. Really? So you come in, you go past the gym, you go past the gym desk, you scan in, you go through the the um, the door cycly thingy. You know where you have to push through the barrier. Turnstile, Charlie. Yes, the turnstile. The door cycly thing. <laughs> and to get to get to the changing rooms, you have to walk past the hairdressers. Uh, it's a female hairdresser, and there are women in there. It's not a men's barbers. It's a. Fe- I haven't seen any men in there. It's very much a female hairdressers. They're doing dyes. They're doing wash and blows. It's a proper, fully functional house. And sometimes you'll just see, while you're mid-set, a woman work out with the most, and they do a great job, the most pristine haircut. And you're like, this is the weirdest place to see this. And I'm just, I just, it just confuses me so much. So it's back to developmental because I don't understand it. Well, that's, I mean, okay, yeah, I'm with you because that makes no sense at all. I don't mind it. I don't dislike it. It just confuses me. That makes no sense because it, what do you, do you get your workout in and then sit down all sweaty, or do you get? Your I don't head think any, I don't think anyone's doubled up. I don't okay. think I haven't seen anyone double up, but I don't know how anyone knows about it because it's not advertised outside. So I don't know if it's only gym members who go. And then sometimes you'll just see like the hairdressers when they're not doing it; they're just watching people in the gym and like enjoying their day. And they'll, ah, oh, it's so confusing. I love the idea that maybe the hairdresser has a wrestling podcast and she's giving you the back to developmental. She's like, and there's this guy. And he comes to the gym all the time and he's just looking at me and I don't know who he he's is. He's so confused. He's big and bald and sweaty and he's putting my customers off. <laughs> You're going to have to go in there one day, I think, and just say, look, what's ask the deal? Do some, ask them to do something for my hair. Just, just say, can you do the beard? Do something like, like that. Guys, can you work with this? Um, <laughs> so that's back to development. Yes. And I almost got the push because I do kind of love it, but it confuses yeah. me. Yeah. And my earn the push this week is the lionesses. Oh. Up yeah. the lionesses. Oh my God, I was listening on the radio last night on my drive home and it was 
stressful. And then obviously Sam Matterface on TalkSport, who I really like as a commentator, by the way. He's very good as Mr. Matterface. Uh, great surname as well. Mm. Is that a real name or do you think that's a stage name? Can we get you a stage name for a new commentate, please? We'll work go, on that. Go for it. What would it be? Come on, top of your head. Ooh. Top of your head, say anything. Uh, all I want to say is Jack Matterface. That's just Stevenson else's <laughs> name. That doesn't work. Um, so it was stressful listening to it because I thought they were going out. And I would have been gutted at that because the country's come together behind them so brilliantly. It's been great to see packed stadiums. And Spain are a bloody good side, but it just felt like England's time, didn't it? And I was like, ah. Oh. And then we drew level. And then Stanaway scored what was described on the radio as an absolute screamer. And then when I got home, I watched it. And Christ, was it a screamer? What a goal. I mean, that stayed and, hit, as they say. Oh, that, that's still moving. That is still moving the next day. So... Yeah, up the lionesses. It's brilliant to see the country come behind them. The pack stadiums. Little, you you always see little girls at women's games. What is brilliant to see is boys, young boys, going mad at these women's sports games because I think we're finding now a generation where it's not going to be unnatural and weird for in ten years' time for men to be cheering on women's sport because they've grown up with it. Now, our generation haven't grown up with it, but now it's been presented in such a brilliant way. I think it's very much on the up. And that's a completely different podcast. I go off at women's sport all the time because I'm a big fan of it. But if you've not watched the Lionesses, they've got their semi-final next week. Hopefully they're going the whole way at the Euros. Get behind them because they're brilliant and we, we could win this. Yeah, absolutely. And and there is, I will never, ever get bored of a packed stadium singing It's Coming Home. And for Stanway to have the bottle, to have think, all right, these Spanish girls are backing off. I'm just going to leather this. Extra time quarterfinal home euros the bottle on her fair play because that could have ballooned over the bar but technique poise everything amazing and finally where the bloody hell did the ref pluck four minutes of extra time at the end of extra time i know what four sorry you think almost a third of that 15 minute half was spent doing nothing and, and, and you just know that, that we, we were all living and breathing every single second of it. But yeah, the lionesses are on the up. Uh, look, it's been a cracking show today. It really has. Next week, uh, believe it or not, we've got Fight for the Fallen for AEW. Another theme. We have another branded show, do we? Another branded How? show. How? I didn't know this. What's what? When did we last just have a dynamite? Come on now. You, you know Tony Khan better than that. You know that we're What's happening with Fight for the Fallen then? Tell me. Uh, do you know what? I don't even know at this stage, but we I do know, know that that's the flagship show for AEW, Monday Night Raw, I think I'm right in saying, live at Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's exciting. Brock Lesnar on Monday Night Raw, a celebration of 20 years of Rey Mysterio. Does Dominic Mysterio turn on his papa at Madison Square Garden in front of a sold-out crowd on his 20th anniversary of his WWE debut? Yeah. Yeah, Cruel. he does gonna do it does he, he say eddie was always my dad or something like that yeah he does doesn't he <laughs> well look we shall see next week but for this week we're all out of time remember he's charlie underscore beckett on social media i'm jack underscore merley rate review and subscribe so you get us delivered to your feed each and every week share the love with other wrestling fans get them to give us a listen but we are done for today for charlie and myself thank you and bye-bye